Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Bellerín, otro defensor, otro disparo, Monreal, gol. Marca el futbolista español, marca Nacho Monreal. Pim, pam, pum. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gutterblog. James, good morning to you. Good morning to you too, Andrew. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm all right. Had a fairly chilled out weekend. You know, nothing... Mm. Too strange or startling. Watched uh, watched the new Batman trailer. I do hope they tell us how Bruce Wayne came to be the Batman because you know that's a story that it really feels like it needs to be told. At last, someone will lift the lid on on just why this billionaire chose to become the crime fighter he did. Do you know what he needs? He need Batman needs a podcast. He can, yeah. He's got his own platform then. It'd be mad, wouldn't it? Welcome to my podcast. I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> How many times can they make Batman? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, there's a sort of revolving door of Batman from Michael Keaton to George Clooney to Ben Affleck. He mm. was Batman for a while, wasn't he? Christian Bale. Now it's uh, Robert Pattinson. Um, I never watched Ben Affleck as Batman. I sort of managed to kind of close my eyes and ignore it. Yeah, I don't think I saw that one either. I don't think I saw that one either. Um, but it is amazing. Have you seen Colin Farrell in makeup as the Penguin? Yeah, I saw a picture of that yesterday. Mad. I mean, it, why hire? Why pay all that money for Colin Farrell? Do you know what I mean? You could have just got some other bloke who looks more like that. Yeah, Danny DeVito, perhaps. Exactly. <laughs> He's still available. He sure is. Um, but yeah, I saw that as well. I had a good weekend. I had I had a weekend off, even though I didn't make an announcement on Twitter, you know, as journalists customarily do, of like, you know, taking a few days off. I hope everyone's well. So I didn't do yeah. that. Um, <laughs> I'm leaving Twitter forever, and I hope you yeah. all know that. Yeah. I'm leaving. Yeah. I'll never be back. Except I know I have back. a problem. I know I have a problem with Twitter, and I, I don't deny it you know I, I knew I'd be on there anyway uh, but I did have a few days off I yesterday I took my niece to um, a, a pig farm she's like near, coming up for two right and it's, it's when I say a pig farm I don't mean they're like slaughtering pigs in front of you I mean it, there's like little pigs there that you can pet I, I thought like that. that might be the case you know yeah. that, 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 she has to learn about <laughs> industrial farming um, that will be her but, her Batwoman origin story yeah <laughs> She become woman. a pig lady or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> but um, she was terrified nonetheless, even though oh, it was no. just like cute little pigs. Yeah, it was really incredible. Like you're allowed in the in the pens with them and you get given a little brush to stroke them. And she was just hiding from these pigs the whole time. I guess when you're two foot high 
a pig could look frightening, but it was an attempt at something nice that really backfired. Okay, well, look, you know, it's the thought that counts, you know. Yeah, exactly. When she's sort of traumatised by that, having therapy years and years on about being trapped with a pig inside a fenced, you know, you know, You know how she deals with it? She goes on Batman's podcast. My yeah. guest today is Big Woman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I would fear for him doing that podcast. He'd have a really sore throat, wouldn't yeah, he? Yeah, After yeah. doing that voice. <laughs> if his podcast was as long as ours. He'd really start <laughs> cracking at the end. Yeah. Just next episode. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> But anyway, good to see. Anyway, the a long last a Batman film. Yes. Our prayers have been answered. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Um, that's nice. Must be nice having a couple of days off. I was just working it out the other day. I think I'm coming up on a year without a day off, which is quite wow. something. So I, I might, before the season starts, try and uh, take a couple of days off somewhere just to recharge my batteries a little bit more. But did you watch the Champions League final? Because I looked at the two teams involved and I was just like, I can't be fucking arsed I just cannot be arsed (laughs) watching this I mean I was sort of all footballed out towards the end of the season so a lot of the European stuff has gone past me but you know uh, the Champions League final is something that uh, you know, I've always watched and in recent years there's been this sort of tradition with my brother and some friends and we go and we watch the Champions League final in, in a bar. Uh, we've done that for years and obviously you can't do that at the moment. Things are, are very different, but I just just wasn't interested. I mean, I did not want PSG to win. I wasn't, you know, I was quite happy for Serge Gnabry and, and what have you, but, mm-hmm. but, you know, Bayern Munich, leave me cold, it has to be said. Um, so they were the, the kind of least worst option uh, in terms of, of how it went down, but I just couldn't be arsed. I watched, I actually watched a, a TV show about pigs being cooked. Right, okay. What was that called? Uh, it was called Ugly Delicious. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. aware. I'm aware. It's good. Well, it, was a, it was an episode about barbecue and, uh, you know, uh, how they do different types of barbecue in different parts of America and all that kind of stuff. But then it was, sort of went around the world and, you know, it was an interesting program. But, you know. Well, was it more interesting than the Champions League final? I don't know. I I did watch it. I have been sort of engaged with it. I think it might be because in the absence of the Euros, which I was sort of expecting to happen this summer, yeah. it has had. It's felt a bit like a kind of international tournament. You know, knockout games, all in one country. Um, players who used to play for us that are good now. You know, it's had a lot of those sort of hallmarks. Mm. Um, but it was tricky. I was watching it with my brother last night, and at one point, uh, I think my wife said to me, "Who do you want to win?" And I was like, uh, <laughs> "I mean, it's really hard to choose." Yeah, I think, I think ultimately, I found myself slightly rooting for Bayern just because I, I think the way PSG have sort of you know got to that point. Maybe it's just this sort of you know snobbery in me, but I find it a little bit more distasteful. Um, and I guess Gnabry was out there, wasn't he? So yeah. I, I think I, I sort of went for Bayern. They won. Kingsley Coman scored the goal. Former PSG um, player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he started, of course, ahead of uh, 
Perisic, who who had been playing for Bayern until that point, who of course uh, we were looking at signing when we signed Denis Suarez, January 2018. Oh, the but, memories, James, the memories. I know, beautiful times, mm. beautiful times. Uh, where is uh, Yannick Carrasco these days? Did he but, go? Um, did he go back to um, Atletico? He went. I think he might have done. He 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 he, he turned up somewhere. Yannick Carrasco. No, he's still in China, according to Wikipedia. He can't get out of China, that bloke. We honestly, I mean, someone needs to help him out. He's been trying for years now. Mm. But uh, it was a, it was a good game. It was one of those games where it was sort of uh, two really good teams. You know, I saw someone, and you'll know, forgive me, I forgot who, comparing it to kind of a couple of boxers sizing each other up in the early stages. Like it was, it was all quite intelligent and quite tactical and, mm. and very sort of cultured and European in that respect. But I think Bayern Munich are probably the best team in Europe, so yeah. probably right that they won it. I mean, the main observation from it is that BT Sports commentary situation is approaching crisis point, really. I mean, <laughs> Steve McManaman is so... He he has sort of inherited the Mark Lawrenson role of just being desperately unhappy about every single thing that's happening. <laughs> it was very much... He was at that pitch, you know... Mm where it was kind of dog's ears were pricking up, you know, because there was mm. something that was going on. Yeah. And, imagine on. him on the Batman podcast. Talk about a contrast in tone. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> My guest today is Steve McManaman. Anyway. Maybe he's the perfect villain for a Batman movie because of that inherent contrast. The squeaker. Uh, the squeaker, as we call him, Ah, the squeaker. A clue from the squeaker. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, listen, it, it was weird. BT were sort of in this odd position where they kept apologising for it being quite a bad game. They kept saying, like, I'm sorry it's not been the goal fest we expected in the Champions League final. But it, it was a decent enough match. And Bayern... <laughs> One. Yeah, as if, like, goals are the only interesting thing about football matches. You know? Yeah, which they weren't at all. I mean, we got to see Neymar cry. What could be more interesting than that? Um, <laughs> but no, it was, a, it was a pretty interesting match. I mean, nevertheless, if that sort of puts a full stop on last season, as it were, mm. it is mad to me that we are now in the week where Arsenal's season kind of begins with the Community Shield. Yeah, it's mental. We'll come to that a bit later on because we've got, we got some questions about that. I saw someone tweet yesterday that Lewandowski was 30 when the season began and he's now 32. Is that real? Well, <laughs> Can is that, that be possible? real? I guess it is possible. Yeah. Uh, once his birthday, Robert his Lewandowski. His birthday, the 21st of August. Oh, that's the same wow. birthday as my brother. So there you go. Um... The same is true of your brother. He's aged two years in yeah. the course of this season. Wow. Crazy stuff. Crazy. So we had a question. I'll just do this one because c- it's here. Um, Henry, who's at Dial Square King, said, did you notice the Arsenal post on Instagram saying the club is so proud of Gnabry for winning the Champions League? Should we be proud that he left us and won the Champions League with a different club? How do you feel about that? I mean, I think it's nice for him and he seems like a really good guy, Serge Gnabry, and, you know, his his uh, North London, his red tweets, etc., etc., hasn't forgotten his uh, his Arsenal schooling in any way, uh, so mm. I'm I'm happy for him personally. I'm not sure as a club, it's should we be proud of that? 
I think we can be proud of his achievement, but I don't think we can be proud of our part in what led him to it. Um, certainly, uh, yeah. Congratulations, Serge Gnabry, on your Champions League win. Enormous regret expressed on our part would have been a more appropriate <laughs> social media post. Uh, yeah, we have. We're hugely proud of the way yeah. we mismanaged your yeah. loan period at, at West Brom and Tony Pulis, but it made you the man you are today. Actually, yeah. it, it forged you from steel. And I think we should have got. A, a statement from our club with a sort of long apology <laughs> an explanation of what had gone on oh my goodness anyway look so that's the the, the season over and our season as you at said last. at last yes. at last at long fucking last and our season is going to begin but we do have a question about that so we'll save it for part two but I suppose the big story of the weekend was the departure of Freddie Jumberg mm. um, as one of Mikel Arteta's assistant coaches um, were you surprised I can't say that I was particularly surprised by this given given that I think I think he was always going to stay um, when Arteta came in at least until the end of the season I think it would have been really weird for Arteta to come in and dispense with you know a coach who uh, you know stood in when we needed him when Unai Emery departed um, uh, and held the fort until Arteta was um, appointed but it does feel like probably a reasonable time for this to happen you know it's off season we can prepare we can you know bring in new coaches if that's what we're going to be doing uh, and you know for Freddie it means he can go at a time where there might be jobs available and he's he's not leaving anyone in the lurch no that's it and I don't think this departure is kind of linked to you know some of the other departures we've seen for the club recently in terms of COVID or restructuring or anything like that I do just think the same as you, really. It made sense to keep him on. It gave Arteta an immediate uh, kind of pair of eyes and ears who'd been around at the training ground prior, who'd seen what gone on. Someone who had a good connection as well with some of the younger players. I mean, yeah. look at the statement from Bukayo Saka and other people who spoke about the role Freddie played in their development. I think keeping him around made perfect sense. But it was clear, I think, in the course of last season that you know, his role was uh, in the background, shall we say. And, you know, I know sometimes he was up in the stands, but I remember at the FA Cup final when Arteta was there and he was kind of celebrating with his immediate assistants, um, Mm. Albert Stuvenberg and Steve Round, and then Freddie sort of turned up in his suit. You know, he looked separate. He looked separate. He looked, you know, a little bit removed from that team and he wants to go and be a manager. So... He's got to take the plunge at some point. It just feels like a natural parting of the ways and one where, quite unusually in football, thus far, everyone seems to have fairly good things to say about everyone else, you know? It seems to be a recurring theme at Arsenal um, <laughs> over the last couple yeah. of weeks, but there you go. No, I mean, look, yeah. Freddie is a legend um, of the club and uh, you know, I think everybody would wish him uh, well wherever he goes and he made a, he made a contribution to to this season you know when we needed someone to step in he was there and you know it was really hard wasn't it not to feel sorry for him um yeah during course. during that period where he had literally no staff to work with he had per mertesacker who's the academy manager alongside him and uh, goalkeeping coach sal bibo uh, who also left i believe over the weekend mm-hmm. um so again probably that 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 kind of timing thing was was uh, a, a part of that um but you know he took over a team that was in an absolute mess um i, I always remember 
I can't remember which game it was, but I remember his reaction to some of our defending at one point was just to sort of hold his hands to his head and look aghast at what he had seen as if he just could not believe professional footballers had done what he'd just seen them doing. Um, So it was one of the images of the season for me, that. It, it, it was, and I'm sort of glad for Freddie's uh, for Freddie that he didn't kind of have to stay in that Kate's a caretaker role much longer. Mm. You know, at one point, at one point, there was conversations about could this be until the end of the season, and I, I don't think that would have. Sorry, I'm just choking here. That's okay. <laughs> Getting choked up thinking about Freddie leaving. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think that would have been especially healthy for anybody concerned, and I think that you know he didn't. Uh, have enough support certainly mm. in his time, but it also was a huge job for someone who is relatively inexperienced as a coach. So I think you know he's got uh, an exciting future, and I wish him all the best. And I don't think it precludes him maybe one day coming back to Arsenal in another role. Who knows? Um, he's got no. such a great affinity with the club. Well, yeah, look, he's going to go out on his own, hopefully, and get a managerial job. He was linked with AIK in, in Sweden over the last mm-hmm. um, uh, few weeks, but that went uh, somewhere else. Um, I mean, just sort of continuing on the theme, because there is a, a new coach uh, who has been appointed, and uh, Elroy Figueredo says, uh, Goodly morning, gents. Would like to hear from you guys about the new backroom setup and the changes taking place, if possible. I, I, You know, it's hard to go into detail because we're just beginning to see what's happening, I think. I think, you know, Arteta having had nine months at the club, more or less now, um, and coming to the end of a season is the time for him to make some decisions about some of the staff that he's got around. And he has been clear, hasn't he, that, um, you know, when it comes to improving things at Arsenal, his view is much more than simply the first team. He wants everything to be as good as it can be. Yeah, I must say, when you asked that question, I thought you were saying that Elroy Figueredo had joined the coaching staff and I was desperately panicking, thinking, who is this exciting, exotic coach? I've never heard of them. I'm going to have to really fudge my way through this. Um, Look, the set-pieces coach is genuinely uh, an interesting development, isn't it? I mean, I feel like we say this a lot at Arsenal, but they need to be good. (laughs) Um, They need to be really good. But at least it sort of shows that Arteta recognises a weakness, not just in his team, but maybe potentially in what he himself brings. You know, maybe that's not his strength or his speciality. And he's prepared to delegate in that situation. Um, And I think what's really interesting about appointing a set-pieces coach is that we should be able to see sort of some evidence of that relatively swiftly. You know, you'd think that that's something that that will affect our approach at those dead balls pretty quickly. So... Uh, it's going to be really fascinating to watch you know, over that first few games because I, I believe he's already started work started a couple of days ago at Arsenal kind of what we do differently and mm. how much improvement it makes yeah I mean we did have something like that uh, under Emery didn't we uh, Juan Carlos Carcedo was the it was clearly his area yeah 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 yeah, um, yeah. well I don't know we'll we'll wait and see what happens um, and I suppose the evidence of that will play out in front of us over, over the coming weeks um, mm. I, I, it's, it's a big thing in football now, isn't it? It's that sort of specialist coaching. It's sort of come over from particularly the NFL. Liverpool were widely uh, mocked, I believe, for appointing a throw-in coach or something like that mm. last season. Um, I mean, but why not? Look, if you can get 1% or 2% advantage. Um, yeah. I mean, how often do you look at a team um, who, who have a throw-in whose options are limited, so you just kind of chuck the ball down the line and hope for the best? You know, if you yeah. can improve that, 
you improve your retention your, of possession. Your, yeah. yeah, exactly. Your retention of possession and things like that. So. You know, I, sus- I suspect we might see uh, more developments like that. Whether we're, we're going to get more in the background at Arsenal, I don't know. Have you heard anything? Are there more changes planned? I, I have a suspicion that there might be uh, a few more things happening. Yeah, I mean, there's talk about an analyst arriving. There's talk about a, a physio arriving uh, to replace a couple of the guys who've gone. Yeah, I mean, I, that's I, worth pointing out, isn't it? Because the Chris Morgan, who is the or was the the first team physio, left to go back to Liverpool. So yes, and the rehab coach Tim Parham has also gone. Mm. Um, so you know, there is a bit of a, a gap there. And uh, there's been talk about the Brazilian guy from PSG, uh, Bruno Maciotti, I think his yeah. name is, who is very well regarded as far as I have managed to ascertain thus far. Um, quite a tough nut, maybe, you know, someone a bit more in that sort of Darren Burgess mould, someone who's sort of mm. uh, quite disciplined <clears throat> in the way he approaches things, which you can see sitting quite well with Arteta potentially. So uh, that that will be interesting. I do wonder if they, he might add more kind of technical staff. He's obviously got Steve Round and Albert, who he's very, very close to, and they have an excellent working relationship. If they supplement that with someone else, I mean, the rumour that's been doing the rounds was, was, uh, was Dennis, wasn't it? Yeah. I heard the... I mean, I only saw the rumour on Twitter this morning, so I have no idea how true it might be do you mm. i have to say i don't know anything about it mm. uh, it's not something i'd heard until i saw elsewhere i'd be a little bit surprised and uh, happy to admit i'm wrong if it if it doesn't happen but um i would just feel like i don't know there there's a, a, a in a positive sense but there is a kind of emotional baggage around dennis that i wonder if arteta would want to bring in. I don't know. Yeah. It's just my perception. I think he's spoken, hasn't he, about wanting to work with the young players. So I don't mm. know if it would be something that um, would be a first-team appointment. I'm not sure. Right. I mean, I could see, yeah, something alongside, you know, working with Per maybe on the academy uh, would be really interesting. I mean, I, they may add another goalkeeper coach. So Sal Bebo has been there for a couple of years. He came from Reading. He was actually appointed by Jerry Payton, I believe. Um, so he's actually been there, you know, through the whole of Unai Emery's reign and a little bit longer. Um, and that's just a case of the new guy probably wanting his people, really, in Yaki Kanya. Um, he's got his, his own approach to the goalkeeping coaching and mm. I imagine that'll be reflected in whatever appointment is, is made there. But interesting, I think, that both he and the set-pieces guy came from Brentford and, you know, Brentford have been widely praised for a very modern approach to, you know, data and coaching and, you know, the structure of their mm. team, their youth team. I don't think us borrowing elements from them um, is coincidence and I think that's probably quite a promising development. Mm, okay, well, we'll see how that plays out. Um, mm. What else has been going on? I mean, we had the news about uh, Gabriel too from from Lille. Uh, yeah. Phone calls from Mikel Arteta, Edu doing the do and convincing his fellow Brazilian that Arsenal is the place to be. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's something that's expected to go through uh, this week. Yeah, everything seems agreed on that. And, uh, you know, there was competition for his signature, uh, principally Napoli, who always seems to be going for the same players as us. I don't know what that's about, but uh, Pepe and Tierney and 
couple of others, I recall, were sort of he must have signed did, between Arsenal and Napoli. Did uh, was it Napoli who signed Higuain in the summer that we were yes. supposed to be signing him? Yeah, it was. It was. I don't know what that indicates. Maybe we kind of have similar relative standing across the two leagues. I don't know. Um, yeah, potentially. But, uh, you know, Everton were in for Gabriel in a big way as well, and there was talk about Manchester United. I'm not sure how serious that was. Yeah. They have a tendency to kind of mm. uh, get in touch at the last minute and be like, what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, as far as I can tell, they sort of <laughs> ring on the last second. Are you, what's, are you going to Arsenal? Okay, I'll just check in about that. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. It's, it's like what, walking down the street. What, 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 are you, what are you guys queuing for here? Yeah, what, yeah. What are, <laughs> Well, that's exactly what, what, it, yeah. What's happening? Is it, Ed, is Ed it... Woodward going around asking people what they're queuing yeah, yeah. for, basically. What, what's what's at the top of the queue there? I, I, I'll, I'll just stand here, see what happens. I'll just wait in the queue yeah. and see. It seems interesting. <laughs> but listen, I, I think that's a good signing, right? We all um, wanted a centre-half, and uh, we have gone out and got one, despite our inability thus far to get rid of one. Which uh, yeah, I mean uh, yeah. that that's that's kind of going to be a bit of a problem because they're piling up like old cars in a junkyard, aren't they? Incredible. We've got so so many now, so so. Many. So we've got Saliba, Louise, Socrates, Holding, Chambers, Mustafi. Who am I forgetting? Mavropanos. We own Mavropanos, we own Mavropanos. and we have Gabriel as well. Um, well, Gabriel coming in. So that's sort of. Well, was Mavropanos gone? That'd be seven at the club right now. Um, yeah. We're playing a back three by default, aren't we? We're just sort of desperately just trying just play, to... We're moving to a back six. We've got to give <laughs> yeah. everybody some game time. <laughs> Four centre-halves and two full-backs. I mean, try it. I'll, I'll give it a whirl. But um, I think, yeah, that is a good signing, though. He's in the right age bracket. It's not an astronomical amount of money. It, it's sort of the sort of signing that you look at and think, that's kind of the sort of deal Arsenal probably should be trying to do. You know, yeah. 23, experienced in playing in one of Europe's, you know, decent leagues. Um, yeah, on the radar for the Brazilian national squad. I think it, it it makes a lot of sense. It does make me think, it does make me sort of query Pablo Marie a little bit. Yes, me too. Me too. Not that you can't have two left-footed centre-backs. We forgot. You know. to, I forgot to include him in our list of. Well, there you go. So. Does that tell its own story? Well, um, but I, you know, I only say that in that I know that Gabriel was someone Arsenal were very aware of and have watched a lot and were interested in last Christmas, and they did Pablo Marie. I think partly because of the structure of the deal, they were able to kind of um, loan him <coughs> with certain financial obligations and, and lots of coughing around it. Yeah, sorry, sorry. But uh, nonetheless, it is interesting to go, I will go and get Gabriel as well. And look, maybe they'll both play every game, but um, mm, it, it's, I'm not so sure. Yeah, it's weird because, you, like, I know we've talked about this before, but you don't see two left-footed centre-halves playing um, I mean, you might, if you've got a back three, you could have one in the middle and one on the left-hand side of it. Yeah. But it's really rare to see two left, left-footed central defenders play together. Um, also, I find it hard to imagine a back three kind of without David Luiz in it, you know? And I think I think part of the advantage of the back three is that you can sort of hide Luiz in there because he gives you so much else on the ball. Mm. And I don't think, personally, I don't think Gabriel or Marie can match that. Um so, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. I mean, they've got a couple of questions about 
the composition of a central defence, so maybe we'll leave that for part two. But yeah. uh, all in all, that looks to me like a solid acquisition. We've said that so many times about centre-backs in the past, but... Yeah. Um, so there have been some other interesting little links uh, as well to midfielders. Uh, there was a story about how we have made a bid for Owa. Um, Owar. Owar. The pirate footballer himself, Owar, yeah. joining the Arsenal uh, <laughs> and on the Batman podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, very interesting player. And I saw a story over the weekend, which I suspect is complete and utter bullshit, but obviously would be <laughs> would be rather nice if it were true. A uh, story linking us to Thiago from, from Bayern Munich. Thiago uh, Alcantara. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that would be fun. For sure. Yeah, I mean, um, what what a good player he is. Um, and he is seemingly leaving Bayern. Liverpool, <clears throat> well, <clears throat> by the way, these coughs are not to indicate anything bad. That's just natural <laughs> cough. I feel like we need to distinguish now. But, oh, um, mine were natural. Liverpool. Liverpool. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, Liverpool were seemingly the front runners there. I mean, that is a signing that, you know, it falls into the kind of... Willian on a lot of money for, you know, the wrong end of his career. But I just have to hold my hands up and say, I would like to watch Thiago play for Arsenal. I am guilty as far as that's concerned. Yeah. But I mean, you look at the, you look at the, the profile of midfielder that we're after. Um, did we have a question on this? I think we might have. So I might as well just do it here if I can find it. Uh, it comes from Dom, who's at Dom C0801. And he says, if you were in charge of Arsenal's transfers and you could only sign one type of midfielder, would you sign a Thomas Partey midfielder or a Hassem Oar type midfielder? I think Oar's skill set are more in demand at Arsenal personally. It's a good question because it depends on who goes, I think. I mean, it also depends on what happens with Danny Ceballos because... Mm. You know, if you look at parties, someone who you imagine be playing a little bit deeper in the midfield or, you know, someone who could help form the base there alongside a Ceballos or a Shaka. But if, you, if you've lost Ceballos, you might need someone in there, you know, mm. next to Shaka or instead of Shaka, especially because the futures of Ganduzi and Torreira are not exactly certain. Um, so even though... I sort of instinctively go, oh, creativity. We need creativity. I also think the other end of the midfield could do with a bit of work too. So it's really, really hard to say. I mean, someone who could do both would be really nice. Yeah, or, you know, one of each would be good, I suppose. But, like, just from a a purely aesthetic point of view, you know, I would prefer an OR kind of player um, than than Partey, just in terms of what they can deliver on the ball, you know? Um, Mm Mm-hmm. But I think there's room for both, to be honest, uh, in that midfield. And certainly the midfield is is the key area. I mean, if we've made a, uh, our defensive signing, and I think it will be a defensive signing, the focus now has to turn to the middle of the park, doesn't it? Because those situations need to be sorted out with Torreira, with Genduzi, with Ceballos, um, if he's coming back or if he's not. Um, you know, if you bring in Oa, for example, do you need Ceballos or can you even afford to do Ceballos? Um, the, the, the other side of that is like after a season, he'd be fairly well settled Ceballos. So I, I don't mm. know. Um, it doesn't sound like there's much going on between Arsenal and Real Madrid at the moment, but then 
you know, these things can can turn pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, there's room for all these players in the midfield, but there's almost certainly not room for them in the budget. And, um, w- I mean, we had a question about this, uh, but I might get it up now because I feel like it's pretty relevant. Okay. Uh, let me have a little look. Where is it? It's from Scott McMurdo on Twitter. And Scott said, are you guys worried at the lack of noise slash rumours regarding players that we all think will be on the move? Ginduzi, Torreira, Kalasnach, etc.? Any concerns on leaving it too late in the window, especially if this is to fund incoming mm, players? Yeah, we had a couple of questions uh, like that on the Discord as well from Wallan and Serenity basically asking the same thing. Are you worried mm. about the lack of of outgoings? Um, I'm not worried yet because I recognise that, you know, the market is a strange one. Uh, I was going to say it's only just open, but it opened on July 27th. So it's been open right. a month now. It doesn't feel to me like a lot has happened, though. Does it? No. I mean, you know, I maybe I'm just sort of blind to what's going on, but it doesn't feel like there have been any significant moves um, or a quantity of moves, I should say. I know some clubs have made signings and what have you, but but it doesn't feel like the market has really got going yet, does it? Not hugely so, and maybe that's partly because some of the big hitters have still been engaged in competition until last night. Um, but it, it does alarm me a little bit. Not alarm, it worries me a little bit. Um, just because I do think that Arsenal do need to move players on for what I would call the sort of next phase of their transfer business. It feels like they've got Willian in, they've got Gabrielle in. I think to get the kind of quality of central midfield player we're talking about here... They've got to be pretty confident that someone's going to go, I, I would think. Yeah. Um, from a budgetary perspective. And I don't know. It doesn't fit. Say, like, the most saleable asset we have is someone like Matteo Ganduzi. It doesn't feel like people are battering down the door for him. You know, it, it feels like he's being sort of offered to every club in Europe in his part exchange deal. And so far, no one's bitten. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,. That's true, but I wonder if, you know, when a player like Genduzi, um where it's really well known that he is surplus to requirements or, or Arsenal want to get rid of him for whatever reason, um, the stuff that's gone on behind the scenes, if you're a club who's potentially interested in, in him... Mm. Uh, you know, there's the balance between, yeah, you're not in a hurry. There's the balance between like, okay, let's get the deal done because it's a deal that we can do or would like to do. And maybe we can get it done before another club comes in or you just wait, you sit and you sit and you sit. And the closer it gets to deadline day, the less wiggle room Arsenal have when it comes to negotiating. If they really want to get rid of him, you know, they're going to have to perhaps take whatever the hell is on offer. So I think quite a lot of the outgoings will happen late in the window. And from that point of view, it may well also have an impact on some of the incomings. Um, because, you know, if you bring in players who are very obviously replacements for other people, you you have that same situation with Ganduzi, don't you? Where you, you just don't have any real leverage when it comes to negotiations. Mm, yeah, it's a delicate thing. I mean, uh, I, 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 clearly he's going to go. Well, it seems almost certain. Um, but I suppose the, 
as Arsene Wenger always used to say, there are always three parties involved and it's got to be right for everyone. Mm. Um, but I think that... Uh, I just worry that the club will waver before committing to more spending until they have certain sort of financial guarantees in terms of who's who's going. Mm. Um, and that's not something I know definitively, but yeah. I... You know, it's just my impression. Well, we had a, a question, well, not so much a question, but a reminder from Amit Tooney, who says, you haven't done the net spend for this summer's transfers yet. Oh, wow. Eyes, 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 the looky eyes emoji. He said, you also need to check how your predictions went previously. Well, look, you know, that's too much to ask. A, I don't know where they are. B, I can't remember what they were, and I don't know even where to start looking. When did we last do it? Was it January? Was it last year? Who I can't remember. Somebody I don't know. Did he mean the, the, the score predictions for the end of the season? That's so far in the past now. Nobody cares. I think we did that. I think right. we did do the predictions. Maybe. Anyway, look. It's over. It's done with. Let's forget about last season. Let's look forward, okay. you know, to a bright Let's future. Let's the results of all 38 Premier League games. Starting with Fulham versus Arsenal. Um, um, okay, so, yeah, we would net spend for this summer's transfers. So, what have we spent on Gabriel? What are people calling that fee in pounds? 30 million euros, there or thereabouts. Okay. Uh which currently is is 27 million sterling. Right. According to this calculator. Okay. Um okay. And that's and so I mean the, the perverse thing about this of course is that we we're probably calling Willian free, aren't we? Yeah, I mean look we're dealing with transfer fees here, you know. Yeah. We yeah, can yeah, yeah. we can we can do the free thing. Uh, with regards, William, if you like, perhaps some coughing, maybe, if you'd like to. Okay. I don't, don't mind. <laughs> a tickly throat. Yeah, a tickly throat. Going, yeah. Yeah. A free. <clears throat> but um, look, it is. So we're, we're, we're dealing only in transfer fees here. So how much, come on, how much do you think Arsenal are going to spend and how much do you think Arsenal will recoup? Okay. I think Arsenal will recoup. Uh, oh, I like the way you're starting with the recouping. Yeah, 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 yeah. It shows you've a sharp mind, James. You're, you're, you think differently. <laughs> well, I think it because it sort of determines for me how much they can spend. I think they'll recoup. Uh, I'm going to say sixty-five million pounds. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's ambitious. That is. That is. This is kind of, this is there's a degree of what I hope will happen here as well, but mm -hmm. I can justify it. I can break it down. Go on. It's actually, the fees aren't that crazy when you break it down. I was sort of, was thinking about 25 million for Gunduzi. Right. About 25 for Torreira. Right. About 10 for Emmy Martinez. What? What are you talking about selling Emmy Martinez? What are you hearing? What's the inside info? Tell me at once. I just think a goalkeeper will go. <gasps> I just think a goalkeeper might go. All right. So uh, you're, you're uh, already you're at 85 million. Am I? Yeah. Oh, 
No, I'm not. Yeah, 25 for Ganduzi. Oh, no, you're not. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I added one in there. I added okay. in another 25 million on Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Right, so I've not got that. So right. I don't know. I don't know. Again, this is pure speculation. I just am thinking maybe, I don't know, there'll be a late change of heart or something. Okay. And then I'm thinking like five million on like somebody. Like Rob Holding. In my head or... it's Rob Holding, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In my right. head it's Rob Holding. I know that, that doesn't sound a lot, but that's what I'm saying is that gives me... See, that's what I'm saying. That sounded mm. a lot, 65, but none of those fees are exorbitant, I would say. That's, yeah, that's true. I'd want and more maybe than... Torreira stays and Maitland-Niles goes or yeah. something like that. I'd want more than 10 million for Emmy Martinez, I have to say. So would I. So would I. Yeah. But don't know if we'd get it. But um, uh, what about you? So, so then incomings, by the way, this is where it gets exciting. Well, that, that is your... Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's incoming funds. You're talking about incoming players. Incoming players. You're mixing I'm it all up here, man. Jesus. 40, 40. I'm going to say that Arsenal will spend... 70 million quid. Okay. So that's on, on two top midfielders, of basically. Two midfielders. Okay, I'm going to say... So that would leave them with a net spend of, what, you know, 32 or something in fees. Is that right? Well, no, you said they'd recoup 65 million and then spend 70 million, and that's 5 million. That's a yeah, net spend of 5 million. Yeah, but they also bought Gabriel. But you, were, you weren't including that. You're oh. talking about another 70 million on top of the 30 million or the 27 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. your total spend is going to be like whatever that is, 97 million pounds. Correct. Right. Ooh, okay. Um I reckon mm, I reckon we'll spend 80 million in total. Right. And we'll recoup, I think, 20, 20, 25, 65. I reckon we'll recoup probably about 70. I'm thinking. Because I I thought what you said sounded like a lot. And then when you laid it out, you know, if you are going to sell Ginduzi, if you are going to sell Maitland-Niles, which seems to be the case, Torreira... Holding could go between those three easily. Yeah, holding could go. Chambers could go. You could see that stack up. So I'm going to say 70 there. But I do wonder if we're going to be miles off because there could be a lot of swap deals involved in in what happens. Yeah, I mean, what I'm thinking is like, in theory, that all sounds good. But I mean, actually finding buyers, even at those levels, I don't think will be particularly easy. Mm. Um and we don't have a sense. I mean, someone said to me yesterday, players are moving for 20 to 30% less than mm. expected thus far. Okay. Um, but listen, I mean, what, I think what we can ascertain from that, um, other than that I'm not very good at maths, is that there is fluidity potentially yeah. in this Arsenal squad. Yeah. Yeah, true. You know. True. Th- there are cash assets that we could chivvy along. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, I mean, there are. I mean, there are decisions that can be made, uh, I think, as we've said previously, about pretty much all the players. There are very few of them who are completely untransferable or, you mm-hmm. know, that we, we simply have to keep. I think you've got to listen to offers for everybody, uh, pretty much everybody. So it'll be, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see if some offers are made for players we don't necessarily want to go. We didn't mention Lacazette as a potential departure either. He's certainly somebody yeah. who's been linked... With a move away, um, Juventus strongly linked with him. So we could be miles out, actually, in terms of what we, we actually bring in. We might be rich after this window yeah. as a club. Just don't spend anything and sell everyone <laughs> and all the all the financial problems are gone away. Stan and Josh will be super happy. As it stands, you've got a, a net spend of $22 million and I've got a net spend of $10 million. So we'll see how wide of the mark we are. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, who knows? Who knows? Maybe 22 million even in this market is too much. Because the other thing is you've got to factor in things like, you know, Willian's salary, potentially Aubameyang's salary, Mm. you know, the inability to move on Mesut Ozil. So there are lots of different... Lots of different factors to consider that will affect things. But I, I, I think there's... I think there'll be more movement, should we put it like that, yeah. between now and the end of the window, wow. for they've, sure. They've got a lot to do, don't they? They've got a they lot really of work really do. to do. They probably need to hire some people, you know? Workload, spread it out a bit, you know, get a bit of help in. A few interns, mm. maybe. <laughs> All right, will we leave it there for part one? Yes, okay. let's leave it there. Let's leave it there. We'll be back with your questions and more in part two right after this. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter at Batman. Uh, no, sorry, at Gunnerblog and at Arsblog. Also on the Arsblog Discord chat server, which you get access to if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon. Um, I forgot to do Facebook again, so I'm very sorry. Um, I'm going to start with this one, though, James. It comes from Twitter. Mm-hmm. It comes from Kaleem Khan, who's at Kaleem underscore AK. And he says... 
What do you think our team will look like for the Community Shield game? Will Arteta rest players uh, for the start of the season or go for it and try and build confidence with a win? And there was another sort of follow-up kind of question on that. It comes from John Craven. Oh, he did the news round, didn't he? Um, Mm. He's underscore JRC1992. I mean, it can't be the real John Craven, can he? he uh, the year of his retirement. <laughs> no, I strongly doubt that is the real John Craven. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, yeah, he's still around, John Craven, so you never know. Who knew he was a, a massive gooner? Um, anyway, he says, do you know why Arsenal are having such an empty preseason? Liverpool, for example, will have played two friendlies before the Charity Shield or the Community Shield next season, whereas we will have played none. One game in preseason feels short should we be worried about being underprepared so let's deal with the team for the for the game on saturday first and then um our unpreparedness or otherwise we're back we're back talking about teams Mm. um so what can we say about the team certain people aren't gonna be available gabrielle for example presumably will be in quarantine uh you would like to think i think think he has to be. Um, so, Bernd Leno, will he be available? I guess he will. Uh, that'll be an interesting one. Who plays in goal? Yeah. God, start with an easy one, eh? Yeah. I think it will be Bernd Leno. I just think that he is the number one, and I think he will still be regarded as such. So I'm going to say Leno. What do you think in goal? Yeah. It's I mean, harsh. It, harsh, though. It is, maybe, but, I mean, I, I wonder... I wonder what the state of play is, you know, for for the senior players who are coming back. They've, I think, been back since the weekend, getting mm. their, you know, various checks and tests and all that kind of stuff. And and preseason training um, begins officially today, something like that. I'm not 100% sure. But it doesn't feel like there's been a massive break um, since the end of the season. It was August the 1st, obviously, was the was the uh, the FA Cup final, so players go away and they have a little bit of time away and everything else. Um, I mean, what about the players who've been away and on holidays and things like that? I mean, did they have to isolate or quarantine or would they have been given Depends permission? Depends where they've been. Depends where they've been. Um, Does it depend where they've been or where they come back from? Because Well, that's a good question because there's all sorts of stories about Premier League footballers crossing borders to Mm. fly home from other places uh, to make their lives easier. I think the official return to training was Saturday, the 22nd. Right. So, uh, or at least that's when they certainly had to report back. So, uh, which gives them just a week until the Community Shield. I mean, Mm. I think this Community Shield, maybe more so than any other Community Shield in history, will have that friendly feel, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I, I, I'd say it's probably a game we could do without. To be honest, yeah. um, you know, this could have been a weekend where we might have played a behind closed doors friendly against, you know, a Brentford or a team like that. You know, um, having to play Liverpool at Wembley in what some people regard as a competitive game, but obviously it isn't. Um, it's yeah. kind of annoying for Arteta to have to do his preparations in such a public manner. Kind of, yeah. I mean, I think he, you know, the, there are obviously, uh, or there is a need to start playing games and to get some match fitness into the leg. So I don't know that anybody is going to play more than 45 minutes. 
No, so maybe it's moot about the goalkeepers. But I think I'll, I'll go with Leno for the sake of argument. In defence, uh, what have we got? Well, well, well what haven't we got in defence, James? I mean, we've got so many fucking defenders. Uh, David Luiz, I imagine, will play. Um, I'm going to say that... Looking to concede his first penalty of the new season? Yes, of course. Get off to a flying start. I'm going to say Saliba will play. Ooh, a debut. Nice. Um, to make up for him missing the French Cup final, he will have the honour <laughs> of partaking in the Community <laughs> Shield. And I'm going to say, as the third centre-half... Ooh, we're going with a back three, I see. I think so. I'm going to say... Uh, well, I mean, who's it going to be? Because, like, Mustafi's injured. Saliba's going to play on the right, I would say, of three. And then Louise will play in the centre. I mean, it could so be, could be Tierney. It, I, I think it could be Tierney as the left-sided centre-back. That's what, that's what I think it'll be at the back. What do you think it'll be at the back? Don't care. Right? <laughs> could okay. not give a fuck um, <laughs> about this game. Like, I really don't. I'm, I'm very... I'm, I mean, look, it, it'll be on and I'll watch it and things like that, but... Um, yeah, I, I just feel like it's a training game. and What if uh, we win, though? Oh, it's a trophy. 100%. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> First trophy of the new second. season, yeah. Of course. Three uh, trophies. Three. Two for Three two tro- for yeah. Arteta in finals. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Arteta's been holding up the two fingers. Two major honours. Two major honours. Um, I mean, I'll look, listen, I'm looking forward to it. I think it... Uh, I'm looking I don't f- expect to learn a great deal from it. No, I'm looking forward to hearing from Arteta uh, because we haven't really heard from him in the last few weeks for obvious Mm. reasons Um, I'm sort of looking forward to hearing from him this week to sort of get an idea of what he's thinking and what he's planning and and, you know what we do with the squad that we have for Saturday might be quite telling because you know if Holding is going to leave maybe he won't be in the squad or you know if Chambers is not ready well he's coming back from his injury Socrates will he be in the squad or is he on his way to Napoli what's happening with Terreri do you know players that you want or are potential uh, departures can you run the risk of them, you know, twanging a hammy or doing something much worse in a game that doesn't mean a goddamn thing in the grand scheme of things? So who is available and who he picks? I mean, it would not surprise me at all if there was a smattering of senior players um, among a whole host of young academy players. Well, they've been training longer, the academy boys. They've been back a little while longer, I think an, mm. an extra week at least. So will we finally see George Lewis take to the field in an Arsenal shirt? I mean, I, I'm only half joking. I do wonder if some of these guys might be involved. Would that not require a little bit of a, you know, consultation between, let's say, the two managers where mm. Mikel Arteta picks up the phone to old Cloppy there, you know, and just gives him a ring and says, look, come on, just, do, you know. I what are we doing? Know, yeah, what are we doing? Yeah. Are we taking this seriously or not? You know, are you going to play the? You going to play the good guys? You going to play the? You know, the Salah. We got a Salah of our own over the weekend, by the way. True. So there you go. Um, building the Liverpool way, I guess. Um, but you know, that kind of a conversation might be useful for Mikel Arteta when it comes to picking his team. Like if Klopp says, "Look, uh, you know, we'll give some people a run out, but we're going to play some young players as well." you probably have a bit more scope to um, to ease your senior players back into action. Because, you know, the last thing you need is 
It's not that these guys are coming back like they used to, like footballers used to come back from their summer holidays, no. packing a beer belly and, you know, uh, pounds and pounds overweight. It's not quite the same thing, but at the same time, you need to sort of manage their fitness and get them ready for the start of, uh, of the new season without causing any damage. Yeah, and, and look, assessments will be made on all those players in the coming days. Mm. So it is, it is almost impossible to pick a team. But for the 10 people who care... I will finish it. Oh, yeah, you, uh, you do that because I can't be arsed. Uh, uh, so wing-backs, I'll say Bellerin and Saka will be the wing-backs. Then I think it'll be Shaka and someone else, Joe Willock, maybe. Don't forget, um, don't forget we've got, uh, you know, Emile Smith-Rowe. He'll be back with us this Still season. Emile and yeah. You know, yeah. potentially, potentially somebody who who could become part of our midfield conversations. You know, I know we're talking yeah. about Genduzzi going and um, Torreira going, and there are question marks in other areas too, um, and players that we've got to bring in, but maybe uh, Smith-Rowe might be somebody who, I don't know um, quite what the plan is. That, that's why I'm, I'm curious to hear from Mikel Arteta about some of these things. You know, he did very well at Huddersfield. Was that enough? Was that enough playing time, enough development for him to be considered somebody who you know, might play something of a Joe Willock role next season for us. Mm, yeah, I don't know. It could be. Um, I think he'll go with front three that played the cup final, Pepe, Birmingham, Lacazette. But like you say, there's Smith-Rowe, there's Willian. Um, maybe he will go with the back four and, and try and get an extra creative midfielder in there. Um we that will be one of the interesting things, you know, having sort of been quite consistent with the back three towards the end of last season, whether or not he kicks off this season with it, uh, I think could be of some significance. Mm. Who's playing up front, did you say? I think the three guys have played the cup final, Pepe and Lacazette and Aubameyang. Really? Yeah, probably. Probably. Seems well, I mean, soon, doesn't it? I guess, but what else are you gonna, I mean, who else are they going to put out? Genuinely, I mean, it's sort of, you know... don't know. It's a it's weird... Really, it's, it's a strange... I mean, Aubameyang is such a such a, an athlete that I sort of think he'll be fine. I sort of imagine he turns up on day one just ready to play 38 games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is it is a really odd one and I hopefully we can make an absolute shed load of changes and no one has to actually play 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, let's have this question. Because I t- mentioned it in part one, but we didn't get to it. Jan Zurovsky on Twitter says, Many fans are hugely excited, and rightly so, with the prospect of Saliba and Gabriel's partnership at the centre of Arsenal's defence. How soon will they actually start together, though? Saliba is a big talent, but still only 19. Gabriel has a 14-day quarantine to go through. So how much do you think we'll see of them as a duo next year? Right. Um, good question. Good question. I don't know. I mean, it feels like, you know, if Gabrielle arrives and we've brought in Saliba, you know, projecting forward and putting my most optimistic hat on when it comes to the future development of these two players, it's the kind of central defensive partnership that would make you excited because of the, you know, what it might signify in terms of the way we're going to build a team and, and the the profiles of the players, you know, these are big, athletic, mobile, modern central defenders, you know, in terms of their physicality, um, how they perform on the ball is something we'll, we'll wait and see. But 
I don't quite know how much we'll see of them straight away, but it, it, it feels a little bit to me like if we're buying a left-footed player like Gabriel and we've brought in Saliba and hopes are high for him, it just feels like the kind of partnership that that would work together, you know, hopefully, mm. ideally. I mean, it, it it doesn't always. I mean, you have to wait and see how these players um, fare together. You know, what, what looks like a good partnership on paper sometimes doesn't quite work. Um, you know, the last really good central defensive partnership that we had was Koscielny and Mertesacker, you know? Yeah. And that's yeah. some time ago now. So it's something that we've really needed for quite a while. Um, so, yeah, look, I'm hopeful. I, I'm optimistic, uh, but but cautiously so, because I think we have to be realistic as well about, you know, what Saliba can do in his um, first season in England. And he needs time to develop as a player and a, a person as well. So it's trying to temper your excitement at what they might be versus what they might need to become that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I would sort of feel confident saying that maybe by the end of the season that might be uh you know what we're looking at as a central defensive partnership mm. but i don't think we necessarily will be in the early months of the season i think that i actually think it's probably saliba of the two even though he's maybe the more heralded arrival who will probably need a bit more time just because of his age i mean mm. you know gabriel has played more football he's several years older uh, i think he will he will come in almost immediately. Is my, you know, impression. Um, I think Saliba might be introduced a little bit more gradually than that. But it is encouraging to have two young centre halves with considerable pedigree. You know, to pin our hopes on that is a, a positive step for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, my question, uh, which I should have in front of me here, shouldn't I? Um, where is it? Okay, yeah, it comes from W Campo 33 on the Discord, and he says, Hi, guys, quick question about age as it relates to football players. Uh, for example, Willian and Aubameyang. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're seeing pro athletes in other sports extend careers longer and longer. 20 years ago, the thought of Roger Federer still being at the top of the game at almost 40 would be laughable. Do you think that with today's training programs and better understanding of how to take care of your body, we'll see players play longer at peak levels? Hmm. Uh, I think it's possible. But then I think that oftentimes the people who get cited in these situations are outliers. So people might be like, look at Jamie Vardy. But it's like, that's just Jamie Vardy, yeah. you know, or Roger Federer. Yeah, Roger Federer is still playing at 40, but uh, he's Roger Federer. I, I think that there are exceptional people who, you know, can sort of, surpass those expectations but I wouldn't be confident to say mm. it's a trend yet yeah. um, just because there's some high profile examples do I think Aubameyang can be one of those I do and I have to hope so I do think he can what about you um, I just think that there are always going to be some outliers um, you know when it comes to uh, footballers and professional sports there are going to be some people who can play for much longer than others um, but generally speaking, once a player gets to a certain age, you know, the years catch up with them. And physically, um, some of the things which make them top level uh, go away, you know. So mm. I don't know that there's any miracle cure for that. But I do see the point that, you know, with um, 
proper training and health and nutrition and all of the all of the science and all of the stuff that's available to top athletes now it feels like if you really really wanted to take care of yourself to maximize the duration of your career you've got a much better chance of doing it yeah that's true i mean i put this to a premier league physio not too long ago and i sort of had this impression as well and i said you know do you think it's getting easier for older players and they were like no it's getting harder they're like the game is more athletic and more driven towards people in their youth, in their prime. And so keeping pace with that mm. is maybe more difficult. Um, I think you could look at it two ways. I think Aubameyang is one of those exceptional athletes who, who could do it. But by the way, just on John Craven's question about our empty preseason, mm. um, I saw a reply to his question on Twitter from Adam Hucklesby, who pointed out that while Liverpool would have played two games before the Community Shield. They did finish their season a week before us, right? Because we had the cup final. So yeah. it's just kind of a staggered preparation there. Mm. And also, I think while publicly we might look at Arsenal's preseason and think, oh, crikey, you know, there's not a lot going on. I think we know from our experience that, you know, it's quite straightforward for a club to organise a behind-closed-doors game. And in these COVID times that makes a lot more sense, right? That yeah. there'll be friendlies happening that maybe we don't even know about until they've happened. So I don't think that's a cause for particular alarm and the problems we face are shared by every team in the Premier League. Mm. Okay. At least. All right. I think it's your question. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Um, so let's have this one. You sounded like a This car. one is... Mm, have you seen that commentary on Armand Traore's uh, run in the Europa League? <laughs> yeah. The Spanish guy doing the, the car. Spanish guy who's he's commentating and then he just gives up as well and just does a motorbike carnival. It's yeah. great. Um, more of that. BT Sport, more of that, please. Um, <laughs> yeah. D- <laughs> more d- d- more, uh, more uh, sound effects, less McManaman. I think that's what we want. Please, that would be good. Get the dude from so- the um, Police Academy movies. The guy who used to do all the, <laughs> all the sound effects. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. I once introduced him at a gig. I uh, Get out of him here. on stage. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. In London. We're very odd, very surreal. Lots of Police Academy fans there. But he went on and did noises. Fair play to him. Um, I mean, they that's are what he really does. good noises. <laughs> you know what you're going to get from him? It's noises. There was a guy at the back being like, who sort of was insistent that he wasn't doing it, that someone was just sort of playing sound effects out of the speakers and he was just kind of miming into the mic. Um, that seems like no. a much more complicated way of doing <laughs> That's very true, yeah. Requires so much subterfuge and organisation. <laughs> uh, so this question is from a man whose uh, name is spelt in Russian lettering, so I cannot pronounce it, but his Twitter handle is at DVVG Podcast. And they say, I've got a feeling that Arsenal are becoming more and more Brazilian. Do you have such feelings? Does it concern you? Do I have a feeling? I mean, look, we've got... And does it concern you, Andrew? No. I mean, it doesn't concern me. Um, I mean, there is Martinelli, there's Luiz, there's William, there's Edu... But then, you know, we were... this physio. Yeah, the physio. But then, you know, there's a lot of English guys there. There's, uh, you know, some Spanish there. There used to be a load of French guys. So, you know, I think clubs go through little phases of, of bringing in players. 
uh, from certain countries and what have you. But no, it, I mean, it doesn't concern. Should it concern me? Should it, James? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. Brazilians are nice, aren't they? I mean, you know, Ask Blog's own Tim Stillman married one. Uh, so there you go. I think, I think we're okay with Brazilians. I think um, it, I think it, it's potentially a, a good thing. Like you know, to have a little. I mean, if it keeps people happy, South Americans haven't always settled brilliantly at Arsenal and in England, and having you know a little bit of a community uh, helps. You know, it helped. You know, Edu when he was as, as here as a player that Gilberto was here at the same time and things like that. I, I just think mm. it's. You know, it's natural. And and Willian comes from clubs like Shakhtar and Chelsea, which fostered that sort of little Brazilian enclave. And having a little bit of that in North London, if it helps us get the next big talent that comes out of Brazil, then so be it. Don't we already, way, we already I, have him? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Thank goodness Willian joined on a free. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, just checking. Um, by the way, I, I feel like I must comment on this because I don't know if you've seen while we've been talking on Twitter an Arsenal fan claims that they have Gabrielle uh, on a traffic camera near Luton uh, (laughs) (laughs) tracing his arrival um how mad is all this, by the way? Like, I'm, sure, I'm sure you saw the thing during the rounds of like the picture of Gabrielle in a car and people sort of looking at the clouds out the window and trying to decipher where he was based on that. Or maybe you're just blissfully ignorant of the madness that has descended. No, I saw it. I saw it. It is... Um, Frightening? Look, potentially. Potentially. I mean, look... Fair play to people who go to such lengths to try and uncover transfer information and what have you. I mean, I'm sure it helps pass the time and stuff. So Listen, it is a bit It is a bit mad, though, you know. If either of us are ever taken hostage, at least we can rest assured that the Arsenal online community will find us within minutes. If, if they feel so minded. If they're so inclined. So. <laughs> they might just there, let us. There may be some debate about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, 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 the plastic bag that they have over James's head <laughs> is from a particular <laughs> shop which only sells yeah. typewriter ribbons. Uh, and it, it's in some place in, you know, a small village in Italy. So it must be from yeah. there. We'll track him down to there. The saw they've used to remove James's <laughs> testicles <laughs> has a for sales, uh, uh, you know, a discount sign on it. It can be traced. I mean, we, we will uh, see. But yes, it is kind of amazing. I sort of, um, I look at it in awe. Let's put it like that. Mm. Awe and fear. Okay, here is a question from Sarthak, who say, who's at This Arsenal Week on Twitter. And he says, do you think signing youth players that were let go by other clubs is a good idea because they are mentally more determined to prove themselves as professionals and it might be their last chance? So to put it in context, we've signed... Uh, a young defender who was let go by Tottenham. We signed a midfielder who was let go by um, Huddersfield Town. Uh, Huddersfield. That's George right. Lewis was told, "Go find yourself a club in the Norwegian fourth division," and he now is is at Arsenal. And the uh, the kid 
uh, that we mentioned earlier on, our very own Salah, um, was let go by Feyenoord back in February or March sometime, apparently because of a dispute over something or other I don't quite know. Um, So we are kind of, you know, hustling around in a, in a, I'm going to say a strange way, but we're looking for players who have been told by other clubs, no, it's not, it's not happening for you here. Are we yeah. hoping to sort of uncover a rough diamond? A diamond. A diamond in the, in the rough. rough. I think there's a few things happening here. So one is, I mean, I think the main one is, is that a lot of our good academy players have gone out on loan or... Mm. They're in the first team. So the under-23s in particular, ahead of next season, were looking a little bit uh, depleted. And so bringing in players who, you know, in that age bracket helps that side be a bit more competitive Mm. and gives a platform to the guys you really want to work on the development of. Uh, I also think... There's an element of uh, trying to get deals done. It's, it's, it's very boring, but basically related to Brexit in terms of sort of shifting the scouting profile away from players under 18 because it will be illegal for us to sign players from Europe who are under 18 right. after December. So we are looking at, you know, we've sort of refocused our efforts on the kind of 18 to 21 age group, which mm. these players, I think, are within. Um and I think also it's just a bit of a gamble. And to be honest, I sort of can't really see how it, it will cost Arsenal a great deal if they lose, you know? I mean, do, do you think, or are you aware of this, you know, becoming... I mean, when you if you brought in one player like that, you might say, OK, you know, we see an opportunity here or we've, we've seen this player in the past. He's played yeah. against us at youth level. Yeah. They're letting him go. Yeah, let's give him a shout. Uh, give him a shot and see what he's like. If you do one of those, you go okay. You know, it's just a bit of a gamble. You see what happens. But but when it becomes part of a strategy, it seems like it's a clear idea being implemented. I mean, that must have been a conversation that they had, um, you know, at academy level. Yeah, well, they dispensed with, um, long before they dispensed with the first team scouting group, they did that with the academy and Steve Morrow and his team were moved on. And that was part of this sort of initiative, which as far as I understand it, Permatasak has been pretty directly involved with and leading to kind of change the approach to recruitment that Arsenal were taking at that level. Um, It is clearly part of a strategy. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting one because some of these players, like you say, uh, are real surprises that they've turned up at Arsenal. Um, you know, the guy we took from Spurs, Dinsay, he was released from Tottenham. It's not like we wrested him from him particularly. Um, the the boy we come in from Huddersfield, Akinola, he was without a club. Uh, he was actually signed without a trial just on the back of uh, video analysis. So... Mm. It, it is unusual and it is a, a step in a new direction. It's funny, I mentioned Brentford earlier. It's something that they have done really, really successfully. You know, they've kind of put together a ragtag uh, group of young players and put them out in a, a B team model effectively. Uh, and quite a few of them have graduated to their first team. And even if they don't, they sell them on and make a bit of money. I mean, these guys will be mm. signing sort of two year contracts. If after a year they're no good, but you can suddenly get a few hundred grand for them. That's fine as well. Um, so, I, like, like I say, my position is that I sort of think Arsenal don't really have uh, a huge amount to lose. Um, 
and I think it is also just a consequence of having sort of creamed the crop uh, off the yeah. current academy lot, as it were. If they're good, they're probably in the first team squad at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair um, point. What about? Okay, well, this is again on the academy. De Nerona says. Uh, is the news that Sam Greenwood is potentially leaving and Balogun moving on worrying? Those are two big prospects on the way out. I don't know if you've seen this Sam Greenwood story. Yeah, look, I don't know, to be honest. Um, is it worrying? Look, I think we we all have really high hopes for young players when they're coming through the academy. And the reality, of yeah. course, is that, that few of them will make it. Uh, and I say that as Arsenal have uh, Nketiah, Maitland-Niles, uh, Joe Willock, Bakayo Saka um, in the first-team squad, Reese Nelson in the first-team squad, who've made it you know, to, uh, to that level via the academy. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, look, for young players, um, you can get decisions right. A lot of the time, you can get them wrong, too. Um, people have a lot of hope uh, and expectation in some of these players that it never really quite turns out the way um, the way you think it will. So I'm sort of easy enough about um, departures at, at youth level because um, I, I feel like the people making the decisions are, are, are good, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I think Mertes Hacker mm-hmm. is a very, um, a very intelligent guy who, as much as possible, will want to keep the best players at Arsenal and find a way for them to make the breakthrough at first-team level. Um, but sometimes mm. players want to leave for other reasons, you know? Might not just yeah, be about I mean, playing time, might be personal. Um, so who yeah, knows, you know? That's a good shout. I mean, Sam Greenwood came down 2018 from Sunderland, I think, and uh, there has been some suggestion that maybe he didn't settle, particularly in the South. I think Arsenal will get a fee not too far below a million pounds for him, which, you know, he's not set the world alight in his sort of year and a half or two years in the academy, so it's not too bad. Um, So I I can live with that. I think basically what you're seeing there with both Balogun and Greenwood, and I would rather Balogun stayed if any of them, but as far as I understand it, that situation still looks to be headed towards him leaving, not signing a new contract extension. Uh, You've got Eddie Nketiah and Gabriel Martinelli who are both forwards, who are both not that much older and are both in the first-team setup, And it does create a bit of a roadblock. Mm. And if Arsenal believe in those guys and want to invest in them, I can see why maybe the people just below uh, are looking elsewhere. Mm. Uh, is it your turn? It's my turn. Um, yeah. At Geezy Peas, hello to you, uh, on Twitter or G. He says, what are your thoughts on the fact that there won't be legal access to live coverage of all games, despite the fact that the majority of season ticket holders slash away scheme members won't be uh, permitted to attend most games for obvious reasons, even though they're hoping to get some um, fans back in the stadium um, by mid-October. Mm, it feels weird, doesn't it? Having had ex- access to all the games, mm. uh, to take that away, it does feel odd. And, um, you know, I mean, even, to be honest, even the journalists, I mean, not all journalists are getting into games. Uh, so I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll have to be, I'll be like you, scrabbling around, like all you little rats, scrabbling around for a screen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Somebody, uh, please kidnap James now. You know, yeah, take him uh, away. Put I'll, be, I'll be found within minutes. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, no, I, honestly, it's it's odd, and I think that the Premier League has an opportunity to address something that is an issue for them anyway. I mean, piracy is a real problem for the Premier League, and I don't blame anyone who pirates. Uh, games that aren't televised I completely understand that impulse but you know clearly they have an issue with it but well this is a chance for them to take ownership of the situation Mm. and make sure fans can watch matches in a way that benefits everybody financially I mean it just seems a little bit mad to not do that at this point don't you think yeah well I mean if the reason we had all the games at the end of the season was because of the extraordinary circumstances they're still kind of extraordinary like, this thing yeah. is still going on. You know, it hasn't gone away. Um, all the precautions that are, are required and needed, uh, you know, are, are still there in terms of, you know, uh, contact tracing and uh, tests for players. And of all of those things are still there and will need to be there when fans are allowed back into the stadium, even on a limited basis. So I don't really understand why this should be a problem. Like, of all the things that they can fix at this moment in time, that seems like a really fucking easy one. They fixed it pretty quick when they needed to. Do you know what I mean? For Project Restart, something that we'd always been told was impossible. Yeah. Just happened. Yeah. Um, so why not do that again? I guess it's it, I guess it's to do with contracts and, you know, blah, mm. blah, blah, blah. But it is really frustrating. And it's going to be weird, right, when games... I mean, how do you feel about sort of games being partially attended anyway? That's going to be quite odd in its own way. Have you sort of got used to the empty stadiums? Like, you know, three men and his dog being in there will feel strange, I suspect. I guess so. I, I, I mean, how do they... I presume that this is something not just Arsenal uh, are going to have to deal with, but, but every club, like, how do they decide? Is it a sort of rota that, like, one home game, this... Uh, I don't know how many percent of our season ticket holders will be allowed in. So, yeah, yeah, so if it's this 30%, then the next game, it's the other 30%. So do you do it on a rotating basis? Uh, How exactly they're going to implement that? I don't know. Um, You know, what are the the deal going to be with seating? Where are people going to sit? How are you going to maintain social distancing? Um, You know, all of these things, like even turnstiles. Even getting in, are people going to have to wear masks? Um, you know, they're very enclosed little spaces, aren't they? When you come in through the turnstile, you put your ticket in and in you go. Mm-hmm. You have to push the thing. Are you allowed to touch the thing? If you touch the thing and somebody else touches it after, you know, I don't I don't know. So it is going to be odd. All of it's going to be odd. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I would suspect going to a game in those early days of sort of trialling fans in stadiums yeah. is probably not going to be the relaxed, fun experience you might associate it with. Yeah. But the people I feel most for are, yeah, those who won't be at those games, who won't be able to see them. That is, yeah, feels very, very strange given where we have been with that. Yeah, I think I, I think there are going to be some details this week in terms of how it's all going to work. Um, right. So we'll probably get some kind of a, a statement from from the club. Um, so there, yeah, okay. Um, is it your turn or my turn? It's your turn, I think. Uh, maybe it's my turn. Okay, let me have a little look. Uh, I had a question here. 
While you're looking for uh, it, I noticed this one on the uh, Discord from Gagan from Gagan J, just in reference to what we were talking about earlier. He says, "Oh yeah, have you ever looked at a cloud in someone's photo and thought that looks like a cloud that floated past my house earlier?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't, but I'm starting to now as a consequence of all this stuff. I enjoyed this question from Charlie on the Discord, and Charlie said, "Goodly morning, gents. If either of you were signing for a new team." What would you want your announcement video to look or sound like? Um, what would I want it to look or sound like? I, w- I would I refuse think- to do an announcement video. Really? Yeah. I'd say I'm here to play football, not act in your fucking bullshit videos. That's what I would you say. W- so you're saying you wouldn't play the piano? I definitely wouldn't play the piano. For sure, unlike some people. So- I would do the Laurent Koscielny. I'd have my old kit on. Uh, let's say my, you know, my arse blog kit. And then I'd pull that off and reveal my, I don't know, Arsenal Vision podcast kit underneath. <laughs> and then I would pull that off. And then I, the camera would zoom out and I would just be fully naked. And then I'd run away. And that would be the video. That would be pretty amazing. I think, I think... <laughs> To really make that video, you would need to be wearing a pair of Wellington boots or something, because I think that yeah. would just add to the comedy effect of your 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 uh, ever decreasing arse getting smaller and smaller in the distance <laughs> as you run away. I yeah, yeah, would, yeah, yeah. I think that would just do. wobbling away in the distance. Yeah, that would be my. And uh, you know, that would be a true unveiling video. I will have unveiled <laughs> everything I had to offer the club. Could jump out of a cake like a stripper or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah. I'd do that one. That would be good. Okay, singing uh, "Happy Birthday, Mr. President" or something like that. <laughs> uh, I think I have got a couple because it feels like we're getting towards the end here now. Um, Zach, Feels that way. Zach Taze on the Discord says, who would be the better duet? Gabrielle Magalash and Gabrielle or William and Will I Am? Great question. I, I have enjoyed all, I mean, I've done it myself, jokes about Gabrielle. And, and I've as I've done them, like, you know, I think I said something about the, the unveiling video better be set to one of her songs. I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember any of her songs now. Can you? Um, Dreams. Didn't she? Dreams Can Come True. That's it. And there's another one. um, Out of Reach. Out of Reach. That's the one. Um, But what I was thinking to myself is I'm sure we must have done all these jokes, what, but five years ago or whenever it was that we signed Gabrielle Paulista. Yeah. that, I suppose, tells you something about the lifespan of a joke. It sort of dies away and then you get another chance to do it. Mm. But um, who would be the better duet? I don't... I mean, Gabrielle... I would say... I'd say the two Gabrielles for me. Because Will I Am, he's many things, but he's not. he's not got a beautiful voice. You know, so I feel like the harmonies on that end are going to struggle. Whereas I feel like Gabrielle, vocally, she can do a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah. And the Brazilians, are, you know, are a, a musical They like uh, the rhythm. People. That's so rhythm. So I'm sure Magalhães, or whatever his name is, can, uh, can, you know, carry a tune along with her. Yeah. And also, I think, um, you know, we have to, if we're talking about this, recognise that Will I Am was involved in perhaps... 
one of the greatest crimes against music ever to be committed. Which was? Well, he's that, he was in Black Eyed Peas, right? Oh, right, yeah. And he, yeah. that, like, uh, that fucking song. Where is the love? No, the Tonight's Gonna Be a Good Night song. Oh. I got a feeling. Fuck I that song. I thought of that earlier. Forever. Because the guy asked the question about the Brazilians. Do you remember it? said, I yeah. have a feeling. Oh. Ooh, ooh, that there are too many Brazilians in Arsenal. Yeah, that was, and it made me think of that. Right. That is a infuriating song. Yeah. Fuck that song. So, unfortunately, uh, for William and Will I Am. Do you think that could be the chart for William? I got a feeling that William's gonna be a bit shy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it might. I mean, uh, we'll have yeah. to we'll have to ask the thirty uh, percent of fans who are in the stadium to see sure. that. Uh, get it going when when fans are allowed. That'll be weird. Will they sing and stuff? Like even though they all stood far away from each other, who knows? Would Willian do a Will I Am song for his initiation? If he doesn't, then he's missing he's the a trick. Disgrace. Yeah, an absolute. Willian does Will uh, Will I Am, and Gabrielle uh, will come in and do a Gabrielle song. So. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, final one. Yeah. I've got one here. Final one. Final one from Daily on at Daily AFC. Uh, and that's D A L E Y and not every day, just so people sure. are aware of that. He said, We've seen Martinez and Torreira firing up the coals for some barbecue action recently. And Aubameyang was at it this weekend, too. So, out of the Arsenal squad, who would you most like to visit for a barbecue and who would you least trust? to sort of cook over the coals. Who would I most like to visit for a barbecue? Yeah. I mean, I have to say, I saw a couple of weeks back, Aubameyang had his sort of big barbecue party. You know where everyone had the dyed red and white hair and the Arsenal shirts on? Yeah. And everyone sort of thought, oh, this must be the new contract. And then the announcement didn't happen. Um, But that looked like fun. So Mm. I think that would be my choice. Although... Emmy Martinez, I mean, the, the Argentines are good with meat, aren't they? Yeah. It's yep. a speciality of theirs. Yeah, they're the so only country the in the world to actually have meat. So Really? Yeah. They invented meat. They invented meat. So, Incredible. you know, they're just naturally gifted when it comes to cooking it. Do you have a counter-argument for anybody in the Arsenal squad? In terms of, like, who would be bad? Who who would be a bad well, barbecue? Well, yeah, all good. I mean, I don't think I'd go to. Um, let me see. You wouldn't. You probably wouldn't go to Hector Bellerin's barbecue because there'd be no meat on offer. There wouldn't be any meat. No, it'd just be like grilled courgettes. Yeah, I have to say though, you know, I've had a few barbecues this summer, and mm. uh, cooking cooking veg on the barbecue is good. I, I yeah, highly recommend. Nice, like, yeah, obviously, people do corn, but been doing asparagus. On the barbecue. Oh, okay. It's great. Just get a little... I got this little tray with holes in the bottom of it, and you can just put the asparagus in, a bit of olive oil and salt, and it cooks away really nicely on the barbecue. I would say that I wouldn't want to go to, with the greatest of respect, Joe Willock's barbecue. (laughs) And why not? I just... I just... Like, Joe doesn't strike me as... A barbecue I think you'd cook, end up yeah. having to do all the cooking. That's it. That's it. 
Like he could supply the stuff. I'd be quite happy to cook. I, I, I don't think he can get it. I don't think he can get it lit and get it going. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. Maybe I have the experience. Yeah, and I would say probably that that would you say David Louise was would, would he use like a gas barbecue? Do you think Maybe. just for convenience or would he, with his Brazilian heritage, consider that, you know, a crime against barbecuing? Who would use, who would be the gas barbecue guy out of the Arsenal squad? Ginduzi? Yeah, why not? Let's let's label him with that. He's on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> we don't like him anymore anyway. So, We've turned on him. Yeah. Not only is he a, a bad guy behind the scenes, he uses a gas barbecue. For yeah. goodness sake. That's what the Arsenal will be briefing to all the journalists. <laughs> <They'll be> like, <laughs> sources have indicated that Arsenal lost patience with Ganduzi when they discovered he was using a gas barbecue. That was said to be, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, Mikel Arteta and Edu were, were yeah. shell-shocked. <laughs> Arteta refused to speak about it in press conferences, but behind closed doors. He Ganduzi didn't... was summoned to a meeting with Edu to apologise for using a gas barbecue. <laughs> Probably uses a hot plate. On the yeah. on the gas barbecue as well. He refused to apologise. Um, yes, expected to move to a club more tolerant of his barbecuing tendencies. Oh, PSG. Probably. Yeah, absolutely. PSG are the gas barbecue of football. That's what they are. <laughs> right. Shall we leave it there? Let's. I think we should. Let's. Let's. We've okay. had a good old run. We have indeed. Um, this is the last one. Well, the last podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, before your kidnapping, of course. Uh, yeah. Be gentle. Whoever does it, just be gentle. Um, wow, well, if they want Arsenal to win, they won't be. That's mm, the concern. That is true. But they've got to keep you going. You've got to keep you alive for the course of the season. You'd be like that guy from uh, Game of Thrones, just cutting bits yeah. off you week by week. Arsenal need a win, badly in need of a win. James loses another digit. Um, I mean, terrifyingly, the people most inclined to do that might be the Arsenal fans, right? Because they want me to suffer. And who's going to find me if these, you know, spy Arsenal fans hide me? We're in big trouble. Big, big trouble. Okay, well, look, take care out there, James. I'll Uh, try. You know, put some wing mirrors on your your shoulders. My face. (laughs) Yeah, just attach yeah. them to each shoulder and have them in front of you so you can see who, if anyone's coming up behind you. That's a good idea. Yeah, if you see, you know, if, you, if you're walking along and uh, a guy needs help with his van, just don't, don't help him. All right, yeah. I'll be careful. Do. The mean streets of Muswell Hill. Yeah, we have got a community shield coming up this weekend, so we'll preview that on the Arsecast on Friday. Uh, we'll have another transfer pod on Patreon this week as well. Um, so, as always, thank you indeed for being here. Uh, thanks for listening, subscribing, and all that. And we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.